Hello, and welcome to the Text and Us podcast. I'm your host, George Fricks, and I'm here with my co-host, L. Grover Fricks, to resume Genesis chapter 24, uh, and this is a part two episode. That's right. Last so, week we did part A, so if you missed it, go back. Here we are in part B. Yep, our first two-parter, so trying something new today. Yep, and we're starting off in verse 29 in the scroll of Bereshit, chapter 24. Turifka was a brother. His name was Lavan White. Lavan ran out to the man toward the spring. It was as he saw the nose ring and the bracelets upon the hands of his sister. And as he heard the words of Rivka, his sister saying, this is like what the man spoke to me. He came to the man and look here. He stood over the camels over the spring. He said, Come, one whom Yahweh has knelt and blessed. Why do you stand outside? I have turned the house and a place for the camels. The man came to the house. He loosed the camels. He gave straw and hay to the camels and water to wash their feet and the feet of the men that were with him. Then the food to eat was set before his face. He said, I will not eat until I have spoken my word. He said, Speak. He said, I am the servant of Avraham. Yahweh has knelt and blessed my Lord very much. He became great. He gave him flocks, herds, silver and gold, servants, house servants, camels and donkeys. Sarah, woman of my Lord, birthed a son to my Lord after she was old. He gave to him all that was to him. My Lord made me swear to say, you will not take a woman to my son from the daughters of the Kanaani in whose land I sit and dwell. Rather, to the house of my father you shall walk, and to my family, and take a woman for my son. I said to my lord, Maybe the woman will not walk after me. He said to me, Yahweh, whose face I walk myself before, will send his angel with you and make your path successful. You shall take a woman for my son from my family and from the house of my father. Then you will be clear from my oath when you come to my family, for if they do not give him to you, Then you will be clear from my oath. I came today to the spring and said, Yahweh God of my Lord Avraham, if you please do make my path successful, which I walk upon. Look here, I am stationed over the fountain of the water. And when the young woman of marriageable age leaves to draw water, I will say to her, water me, please, a little from your vat. She will say to me, drink for both you and your camels I draw. She will be the woman that Yahweh has made clear for the son of my Lord. Before I had finished speaking to my heart, look here, Rivka exited, and her vat was upon her shoulder. She descended to the spring and drew water. I said to her, water me, please. She hurried and took her vat down from upon her and said, drink. Also your camels I will water. I drank and also my camels she watered. I asked her and said, whose daughter are you? She said, the daughter of Betuel, son of Nehor, that Milka birthed to him. I placed the nose ring upon her face and the bracelets upon her hands. I bent and bowed myself to Yahweh and blessed Yahweh, God of my Lord Abraham, that led me in the path of faithfulness to take the daughter of the brother of my Lord for his son. If you all will do compassion and faithfulness with my Lord, tell me. If you do not tell me, I will turn to the right or the left. Lavan and Betuel answered. They said, From Yahweh this word has exited. We are not able to speak to you evil or good. Look here, Rif goes before you. Take and walk. May she be the woman for the son of your Lord, as Yahweh has spoken. It was when the servant of Abraham shemad their words, he bowed himself to the land, to Yahweh. The servant brought out the clinking things of silver and golden clothing, he gave them to Rivka and gave her exquisite things to her brother and to her mother. They ate. They drank, he and the men who were with him. They lodged there. They arose in the morning. He said, send me to my Lord. Her brother and her mother said, the young person will sit and dwell with us some days or ten after she will go. He said to them, do not delay me as Yahweh has caused my path to go forward. Send me away that I may walk to my Lord. They said, we would call the young person and ask her mouth. 
they called to Rivka. They said to her, will you go with this man? She said, I will go. They sent Rivka, their sister and her wet nurse, and the servant of Abraham and his men. They knelt and blessed Rivka. They said to her, our sister, you may be for thousands of great ten thousands. Your seed will seize and possess the gate of those who hate them. Rivka arose and her young woman. They rode upon camels and went after the man. The servant took Rivka and walked. Yitzchak came, coming from Ber Lechairoi. He was sitting and dwelling in the land of the Negev, parched. Yitzchak left to sink down in the field to face the evening. He lifted his eyes. He saw, look here, camels were coming. Rivka lifted her eyes. She saw Yitzchak. She fell from upon the camel. She said to the servant, who is the man, the one that walks in the field to call to us? The servant said, he is my Lord. She took a veil and covered herself. The servant told Yitzchak all the things that he had done. He brought her to Yitzchak to the tent of Sarah, his mother. He took Rivka and she became a woman to him. He loved her. Yitzchak was comforted after his mother. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, so I've split this section uh, into two parts again. Excellent. And so our part one is going to be verses 29 through 51. And our part two is going to be verses 52 through the end, which I think is verse 67, somewhere yes. in there. So, um, yeah. So uh, to begin with, uh, there are a couple of things, even in this first paragraph that I wanted to look at. Yeah. The first being the translation of the name of Levan. Right. Yes. Uh, means white. Which makes me curious about whether he was like super blonde or had unusual... Skin tone. Something. Or something, yeah. But when you think of Lavan in scripture or white in scripture, what's the first thing that comes to mind, George? Um, the first thing that comes to my mind with white is the bricks for the Tower of Babel. Very good. Our Minas Tirith story. Absolutely. Yes. Um, and so we can look at it that way. And I'm kind of immediately casting Lavan as a bit of a wily, if not villainous figure here. Um, but we'll see. Maybe it's not as pronounced as I tend to think of him. But if we go with this Babel parallel, then it would mm -hmm. have to do with him being someone who is climbing and trying to grow something and working on his own legacy rather than the legacy of others. Um, and certainly we see him acting in surprising ways in the story, right? It's not, right. Betuel is not in the center stage or in the Chor. It's Lavan running out and doing his thing. Right, interposing himself. Right. Yeah. The other thing though is that uh, it's related or one of the pictures that comes up when you talk about white in the text is in the context of purging. So the kind of like cleaning when uh, in Torah, when your house has mold and you've got to use lime scale everywhere to cleanse your house. Okay. Um, it also uses this. It's also the name of a yogurt based dip. So maybe he just really was a big fan. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that could, I mean, Love that. Yeah. <laughs> Unlikely. <laughs> you never know. Yogurt boy. <laughs> okay. So he runs out to the man toward yes. the spring. Yep. Um, I had a thought that we didn't talk about last time um, with presumably Eliezer. We've talked about that, but he's called the man all the way through this text. Yeah, it's definitely a presumption on my part to say Eliezer here. Um because you're right, it does not specify in the text who this servant is. We just know that he is old um, right. and is important enough to go on this journey. Uh huh. And in find charge a wife. of a bunch of valuables and a bunch of men. Right. He's given, camels. Yeah, he's given a lot of responsibility here. A lot of trust is put into this uh, person. And so uh, 
that's probably the main reason why my mind instantly goes to Eliezer because he appears earlier in the text as a potential heir as a potential heir so uh, very high importance in their household right although if he's also old you know if he's the same age as Abraham that wouldn't make a lot of sense for an heir bum, bum, bum. yeah I don't know um, the Midrash says that Eliezer has a daughter oh uh, and he's somewhat hoping that uh, Rivka won't come back with him so that his daughter would be an option. He'd be removed from the... Uh, Lineup? The, well, so the um, promise that Avraham makes him take, uh-huh. right? Uh, he'd be removed from that right. and would then be able to present his daughter as an option. Interesting. Uh, I like it. Um, but it doesn't say Eliezer, it says man. Right. Um, the thing that that reminded me of is of the tradition in the Gospel of John where he doesn't call himself John. He always calls himself the one Jesus loved mm-hmm. or the beloved disciple. Um, and it's interesting to think about maybe John did that in a little parallel to potential Eliezer of being the like trusted servant of Abraham if yeah. Jesus is parallel with Abraham. Yeah, yeah, I like that. That would be a really cool callback. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so he races out um, to find the man, kind of like um, kind of like Abraham does. Yeah, yeah, the... I think there's a potential parallel there. Um... And says, hey, bro. Come on back. I have turned the house. Yeah, and I wanted to comment on the phrase turned the house mm-hmm. because it's not, in my mind, super clear as to what that means. Right. Uh, I can make some presumptions that, you know, they're cleaning or whatever. Uh, the Midrash suggests that this refers to him purging all of the idols from their house <laughs> before uh, they get there so that it's not like, uh, an awkward meeting, you know? <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, uh, oh, dear. That's pretty funny, just shoving them under blankets and stuff. That would be a good place for Rachel to have learned it from, you know? Yeah, and that's uh, probably why they're making that parallel, I would guess, you know, mm-hmm. with some hindsight. Um, right. But uh, there's certainly nothing else here in my mind that would suggest that there's idol worship going on. Great. Well, he's the one who races after Rachel later and wants all the idols back. So oh yeah, he's uh-huh. definitely an idol, an idol, a yogurt idol boy. Yes. <laughs> what a combo. Um, Got to get my yogis. <laughs> <laughs> the word uh, turned comes from panna. Um, it is the word panna, which is related to the word for face. So it's like turning the face of the house. So that's not going against the Midrash there. It could be saying that. It could also be um, like we don't know what we don't know about living as Bedouins in the desert. You, you don't know. know what you don't know. <laughs> and so it could be that if you have guests, you rotate like the door away from the sun so that it's cooler inside or whatever. Yeah. Um, we don't know if we're missing out on something there. But a place uh, in the house and a place for the camels. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, the next thing that caught my eye is in verse 32. Mm-hmm. And uh, the servant, the man... Uh, gave straw and hay to the camels and water to wash their feet and the feet of the men that were with him. And what stood out to me from that is when I'm comparing this to the uh, translation from the KJV, the NIV, the ESV, they all uh, suggest that this first instance of water to wash their feet is to wash the feet of uh, Eliezer. Mm-hmm. and then the feet of his men. But what I get from this, uh, it seems that that washing of feet is referring to the care of the camels. Right. And so that was a new observation for me. And uh, again, one of those instances in which animals are included. Uh, yep. Vegetarian um, agenda going strong. <laughs> um, but no, I think it is important Um you know, when you think about the hierarchy and who gets their feet washed first, I think it's yeah. cool that animal care would be a thing. Um, I don't know about the differences between camels and horses, but I know that after you ride horses for a long time, you have to 
knock this mud and stuff off of their hooves. Right. Yeah, there's uh, an amount of dirt and bacteria that builds up in there that you clean out. But So there's that. Um, I also love it because this is the definitely the first washing of feet that's happened. I, I just said definitely, and that makes me nervous. Um, is it at the Oaks of Mamre? Um, I think th- uh, that's a good question. I feel like washing of feet is mentioned... I could totally be wrong. I have no idea. Mm. Uh, okay, well, unless it's in that story, the first washing of feet would be camels. here. Camels, which would be great because that would mean that Jesus is, you know, kind of calling his disciples a bunch of camels, mm. uh, which I would love. But I want to draw attention to the fact, um, and Rabbi David Foreman has amazing um, teaching on this pointing it out but because we have he 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 this whole time um it doesn't say the man versus lavan we tend to presume that it's lavan taking care of everybody hospitality wise um but it doesn't really look like that because it says and the feet of the men that were with him yeah and so it's probably eliates or lavan is not starting out great not doing what he's supposed to do and taking care of his guests. Um, right. And, and it says the man came to the house. He loosed the camels. He gave straw and hay to the camels. Right. Right. So, and this whole time, the man has been yeah. this probable Eliezer figure, not Levon. Yeah. Uh, and then they set down this huge feast, presumably. The food to eat was set before his face. Maybe it wasn't a huge feast. It doesn't say it was. Yeah. And he very, uh, he, he's, pushing some weight around here as the guest. I will not eat until I've spoken my word. And uh, he said, speak. (laughs) We're hungry. Yes. We want our yogurt-based dip. Yeah. So uh, to me, that's a little bit humorous of him uh, refusing to eat until he's said what he has come to say. And... uh, Part of that seems to be some urgency. He doesn't want to stay there long, which we'll look at in just a few verses. But. Right. Because at the end, he says, if you say no, I'm not even eating. I'm just going to leave, um, go to the right or the left, which I can imagine an internal sigh happening in all the men yeah. he brought with him who want the food. Right. Right. Uh, and so he recounts the blessing that God has given to Abraham and says in verse 36, Sarah, woman of my Lord, birthed a son to my Lord. After she was old, he gave to him all that was to him. Mm-hmm. And what stood out to me about that statement is it uh, could be that he is pointing out that uh, Isaac is the one that has inherited the household and not mm-hmm. Ishmael. Right. In case uh, they've heard about him. Right. And so uh, making that distinction would be important you know that uh, he's not here to get a wife for the Ishmael. second son. Right. He's getting a wife for the Bahor. <laughs> so it's an important, um, it's an a more, a more important meeting here that's happening. Right. Yes, I think that's a, a good point um, because they would be worried about that. What kind of role does she have in the family? Is she right. going to be the matriarch or is she going to be a second wife? You know, off to the side. Totally makes sense. Um, but most of what he says is exactly the same as how it happens. Um, and it's my theory that they, um, that they lay it all out with him perfectly reciting everything that happens because we've talked about the word for angel, which I've been translating until very recently, one who is full of, and then God, angel of God for Yahweh. Um, and that's because a messenger or a deputy is someone who memorizes this script from um, the king and then, or whoever the ruling party is, as an ambassador goes. Message and, from the king. Yes. <laughs> Musical references. I mean, this is really just Hamilton. Yes. He that wants is. to be in the room where it happens. He does. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and Hamilton was actually based off of Genesis 24. Yes. I don't know if many of you realize that. Yes. But... Aaron Burr is actually Eliezer. Yes. Um, or is he Lavan? Bum, bum, bum. Uh, and so he's, it's put all out to show what a faithful servant he is and that he's saying exactly what he was supposed to say. 
um, and doing his job well. And that's why we have this giant thing recorded would be one take. Yeah. And it's definitely a lot, right? That's one of the reasons this chapter is so long is that there is this massive repetition, chiasm mm -hmm. people, of the story. Right. Um, and so I don't really want to get too much into that repetition uh, from a translation standpoint because so much of it is the same. Right. And the differences are not major, mm -hmm. right? They're more narrative because he's telling, it's a retelling than right. um, adding or taking away detail. Right. The Midrash says that the reason for this uh, retelling of the story here is that God likes to listen so much to the dialogue of his people that he wanted this in here twice. So we get a double portion of this story. I love that. I love that uh, dialogue as opposed to what? As opposed to giving of the law mm. and other, you know, uh, even just stories in which people are doing stuff, right? So the uh, conversations between his people are precious to him. That's really so. sweet. I love it. God, he's just like us. He doesn't love the exposition. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He likes the communication, the relationship between people. So um, the one thing I did want to look at in this is in verse 49, however, and it is uh, the fact that he says, um, uh, he asked them to tell him uh, whether or not uh, they're going to let him take uh, Rivka with him. Oh, uh -huh. And he says, if not, then he's going to turn to the right or left. Right. And what the Midrash has to say about that is uh, he's referring to uh, Ishmael, who lives to the right, and mm -hmm. Lot, who lives to the left. So he's saying, if you, as the um, first choice in the family to find a uh, wife for Isaac, Ishmael. will oh, not, sorry, yeah. you mm -hmm. know, uh, partner with us in this, then we're going to go to the other families Yeah, in the household. That makes sense. Not geographically, but metaphorically, totally. And uh, what a different story it would be if instead of becoming the Ammonites, right. um, who would be a lifelong enemy of God's people. They were brought back in. They were brought back in. Then we would have a line of incest in the family of God, but you know, details, whatever. It would be fine. I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh... <laughs> Abraham married his sister. I guess. So <laughs> we, we already started out not strong on the uh, ethics and genetics line. Um, and then they have this interesting response, and it says, Levan and Betuel answered. So mysterious, we've got uh, Rivka's dad is doing his job, um, but Levan is also there apparently saying the same thing. And it's kind of this passive, like, well, you can read it with a positive construction or a negative construction, or I, as we say in um, Jesus's Judaism. Uh, from a positive construction, they recognize the hand of the Spirit of God on what Eliezer has done, right? Because it says, from Yahweh, this word has exited. We can't do anything about it, but do what you would like. A negative construction is it's a very, like, passive, you know, if we say God is looking for partners... Um, and he's looking for people who are excited to engage with him yeah. with chutzpah and zeal and the things that he's calling them to. Um, we're not able to speak to you evil or good, but like you can take her if you want. <laughs> yeah, it kind of makes me think of Balaam. Mm, how so? Uh, in that the kings ask him to curse Israel, mm -hmm. and he's like, yeah, I can't do that, sorry. Right, but he does end up blessing them in that story at the end. He does, yeah. Um, and yeah, but it just seems similar to me mm. in that hands are tied and this is God's thing. Right. Um, I'm only going to do what he has told me to do, which is to bless them. Right. So, right. But here they don't even immediately bless, bless her or him or them or whatever. They just say, we can't say anything about it. Go for it, I guess. Um, also it really highlights the difference between uh, Eliezer and Abraham's recognition of Rivka's consent and agency because 
earlier, there is this big conversation about what if she doesn't want to go with me and, yeah. and they don't have any of that. Like right. later they're going to ask her what she thinks when it's part of their advantage, right? Cause they're trying to get her to stay behind. So they're hoping that she'll also want that. Um, but here they're like, yep, take her. Sure. Whatever, whatever works. I right. hope it works out. Yeah. Well, and, and Rashi will take that second part and say, this is why you always have to get the bride's permission first. Mm. Um, so well, that's it nice. does result in some agency. Yes. Later. Um, later. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. Part two, uh, which uh, takes off in verse 52, in which uh, Eliezer brings out the clinking things of silver and gold and clothing, and he gives them to Rivka, and he gave exquisite things to her brother and to mm-hmm. her mother. Yes. Uh, so a couple of things I want to point out in this. Uh, the first, uh, which I didn't read, but in verse 52, he bowed himself to the land to Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to me, that's interesting because the way that that's parsed out there, he bowed himself to the land to Yahweh. Right. Um, yeah, that's a little bit of a clunky translation on my part. It's not the exact same to land to Yahweh. I'm trying to wrestle with the limitations of English there, but it's a directional suffix on the end of land okay. and then to Yahweh. So it's saying like downward to the land, like implying face to the earth without saying that um, to Yahweh. So it's not like God is the embodiment of the soil or whatever. Yeah. It's that this is the direction he didn't just nod his head or whatever. It right. Downward to the right. land. Would you be resistant against inserting like he bowed himself down to the land? To um, Yahweh? I'm not particularly resistant. That'd be fine. Um, I mean, it doesn't say down, I would presume. He doesn't bow no. down. He just, mm. he bowed to the land so he bowed himself it says he bowed land and then a directional suffix. right, right. so <laughs> he bowed land to yahweh is would be the most would be the most literal but um you know we make some compromises but i get yeah. why that's confusing yeah and you can still get that from the english you just have to think about it think about it get your brain to to get there right um so I don't heaven know. forbid we think about something <laughs> yeah yeah i mean Spell it out for us, please. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, but he brings out the clinking things, yeah. which is a fun image. Yeah. Um, the word for that in Hebrew is clay, and it's onomatopoeia for like the way we say clink. is That's also an onomatopoeia. Okay. Um, and it can be used for all sorts of things. It's used for vessels for drinking, like for cups, um, when root is talking about getting water in the book of Ruth she needs a clay she needs mm. something to drink her water with um, but it's also used for jewels um, it's very occasionally used for weapons so who knows maybe he gave her a sweet sword uh, I would be all for that yeah uh, <laughs> and clothing and clothing which is nice I mean she's already clearly jacked yeah, she is right the strong and her name means lassoer of fetlocks so yeah Lassoer, I'm sure that's a word. She is a capable person. She is a competent woman. Um, And so maybe it's a like gold-laden lasso. Who knows? Uh, And then exquisite things to, again, weird, unless there's something we don't know about the way dowry works, um, but to her brother being Lavan and her mother. Yeah. uh, Betuel is left out completely. Right. And in fact, he falls off. For the rest of this whole story. Yeah, a very weird shift. Um, Where'd he go? Yeah, that, that is a great question. The Midrash suggests that Betuel did not want uh, Rivka to go, and so God killed him in the night. Oh my. <laughs> Pretty severe. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> what a move. In that. Um, so hard to say how accurate that is, uh, but certainly something does seem to, there's a shift here. He is not present. Very yeah. clearly. He doesn't say anything. He's not mentioned uh, all the way through the end. So Yeah. Um, well, his dad's name means snoring, so maybe he has narcolepsy and fell asleep. Or maybe the Midrash is right, and God used Lavan to murder him 
bum, bum, bum. Could be. His body is in the back creek of the story and nobody knows. Right. So, so dark. Uh, okay, so anyway, <laughs> he doesn't get anything nice, which is weird, but Lavan does. Uh, and then they eat, they drink, they lodge, they rise in the morning. Uh, yeah, and then they try to get uh, him to stay for a while. Right. And uh, it says, uh, dwell with us some days or ten after she will go. Uh, the Midrash says that this some days is equal to a year. Interesting. Uh, which uh, is a stretch. Um, they kind of do some linguistic comparisons to other places in the text. Um, mm. And then also say that a uh, bride would need a year to get ready for the wedding to collect all of the different jewelry she would wear and all of the other preparation that I goes into a wedding. I need a month to find my rubies. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that I don't know. They hide them or something. It's a, you know, one of those Easter egg hunts. Right. Interesting. <laughs> I made that up. That's not true. No. Uh, it, yeah, okay. I feel like that that's either a cultural imposition from the era of the right. Talmud or that um, they're looking for reasons, which I've been doing the whole time too, that Levon has been sneaky, right? Um like that they don't want Rivka to leave for some reason. Mm-hmm. And so they're stretching that out to make him look a little bit worse. But it definitely just says days. It says 12 with us days or 10. Yeah. Also, there's a big gap between a year and 10 There's days. a huge gap. Yeah. yeah. So that's weird. Yes. It's a large leap to make in any sort of, you know, you wouldn't be bartering with someone and then down barter. Right. You know. Three hundred percent. Pay me three thousand gold for this dagger, or twenty-five. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it is interesting. Um, also, I'm not totally sure what their, what their, you know, uh, motivation is here. Like, why? I. It's easy to say, oh, they're being sneaky because they want to keep Rufko around. But why? I don't know. Yeah. And maybe that's where the rabbis are coming from with the wedding preparation angle sure. to give a reason. But um, yeah, hard to say. Maybe it's a hospitality thing. Maybe. You know, come and stay with us a while. Avraham kind of does that. Right. Maybe it's uh, actually positive. We're being super that. rude. Yeah. Maybe it's a positive of like, no, we can house you forever. Um, but uh Something that I wanted to call attention to that I was wrestling with in my translation is I use the phrase young person here, na'ar. Mm-hmm. Um, but really... Yeah, verse 55. Mm-hmm, really, a na'ar, I do it twice, actually, uh, means young man. And it's really weird because all this has happened multiple times in the story of Ripka. She has feminine verbs. She's referred to as a she. Um, but then uh, three times just in this half of the chapter and there were more previously she's called a young man a na'ar mm. rather than a na'ara um, and it's kind of bizarre and so I stretched it to be young person instead um, because of all this feminine verbs I don't think there's anything unusual gender wise going on but I wasn't sure what to make of that yeah and my uh, uneducated instinct here uh, was to uh, consider perhaps that Rivka is the Pahor. Yes. Uh, you mentioned this to me while I was translating and I was complaining about this, and I think it's genius. So we, uh, I'll ask you to talk about it more in a second, but um, we've mentioned the Bukhor before. Bukhor really just means chosen. And God, when he is instituting the laws around firstborn, he always says the first to exit the womb of the mother mm-hmm. is the Bukhor, is the chosen one. Um, and that chosen meaning less, less matrix and neo analogies and more who's going to be the person who carries on the family line of the father, who's the person who carries the legacy and the mission of the patriarch in the world, who is continuing to build the foundation of this building 
um, project as you try to put the world back together. And so that's why Jesus is the firstborn of the Father. He's the one who shows us how what the Father's will was and how um, you walk it out and with what kind of integrity you do so. All of that is on the Bukhur. Yeah, and well, and also she is very much a person of action. Mm. And mm-hmm. we're going to see that in the following chapters. But she sets her mind on the way things should go and she makes them happen. She sure does. And she says, I'll go with yeah. this random yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. So, well, and they listen to her when she says that. Um, right. And so uh, going with that theory and kind of looking at this chapter, I feel like a couple of things kind of fall into line mm-hmm. uh, with that. Um, starting with um, the fact that uh, Levon is running out Right. Once he sees the gifts that she's been given, the nose ring and the bracelets. Right. And so perhaps it's not so much that he sees those things and thinks, ah, riches Uh uh, from that perspective. (laughs) But perhaps he sees those things and recognizes that someone has come to make an offer of marriage. Mm -hmm. And therefore, she is going to be out of his way for becoming the Bahor in this family. Right. Because um, like Moshe is going to institute that it's only the men mm-hmm. after God does not say that he'll use the word male, every male rather than every person. Um, and I presume that culturally it would be unusual um, for this family of God to cling to God's original intention here. And so that would make sense if he's grown up frustrated that, mm-hmm. she, that this woman is always in his way yeah. of his true potential. Yeah. And so he sees the uh, the dowry gifts and is like, mm, my moment has come. Go, 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 go. Yeah, yeah. And there could be some reason there for uh, kind of this back and forth of whether or not she's going to go. Right. Um, That's true. Uh, it could be that Betuel is less... Uh, for her leaving mm-hmm. and maybe that's why he's not included in this last portion and Levon has kind of taken that place right um, and that could also be why I, you know hard to say why Levon receives uh, these gifts um, right so yeah maybe Bethuel wasn't drowned in a vat of yogurt based dip it's <laughs> 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 just being grumpy in the back yeah so <laughs> Uh, hard to say. Again, this is just a possible reason why that masculine masculine language is used. Right. And it's kind of operating under the premise that these things are not here by accident. There is intent behind a masculine uh, uh, term. Right. Uh, referring to Rivka. So. Yeah, there's this great quote that was in one of my Midrash classes um, that talked about if you try to pick apart every letter of the text, you're, you know, a fool, but you're a greater fool if you don't take every letter of the text with utmost gravity, mm, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's definitely true. They could have said young woman. They could have put a hey on the end, uh, feminine ending, and they didn't. So right. it's interesting. Maybe right. it's because she's occupying this masculine role. Right. But he says, do not delay me as Yahweh has caused my path to go forward. Send me away that I may walk to my Lord. That use of delay there is a nice contrast because the word um, to go forward there is the same word that I was using earlier but translating successful. So I'm sorry for not being fully uh, consistent. Got to have that consistency. I know. It's tricky. Uh, but their definition of success is when there's been a breakthrough. So like if you were trying to ford the river and you managed to make it across or you're trying to whack your way through a thicket and you're able to make it through the other side, that's mm-hmm. this word. Um, it's also the same word that we use like in modern Hebrew to say, I hope you're successful on your test. Um, so success is an obstacle that has been pushed aside. Okay. And so him saying, do not hold me back. Do not delay me. Do not hold on to my coattails here and drag me um, because Yahweh has cleared my path and enabled me to go forward. Send me away that I may walk to Abram. Yeah, I like that forward imagery a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes me wonder if going back, if there's some better way to... Um, you know, uh, 
in the sections that do say success, mm-hmm. if there's a better way to phrase those that, you know, kind of move away from our Western success concept. Right. Right. And kind of bring us into this. The angel will go with you and make sure you get lots of retweets. Yeah. Well, and, <laughs> and, and because we usually, uh, not always, but a lot of the translations, uh, two out of the three translate that, um, prosperous mm. <laughs> or was it prosperous it might have been i've seen um, both profitable and prosperous i think it's prosperous is the one that i was seeing and uh prosperous is definitely around acquisition of wealth right and that is not what is being portrayed here it's not prosperous in that aspect right, right. so yeah if i think he's giving away stuff so Right. The, the reason that I used successful there um, is because sometimes, you know, the pendulum swing of when we get away from one theology and then yeah. we swing way too far into uh, more dire theology and then back and forth we go. Um, there's sometimes, I, I feel like sometimes in theological circles, you get into the prosperity gospel and like, God wants blah, 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 blah for you. And then sometimes when we swing out of that, we're like, God doesn't care about you mm-hmm. being successful. Yeah, we lose the goodness. Yeah, we lose that he's a good parent and a good patron and um, just get into, again, I think I've described as a Victorian matron of an orphanage, God just giving you barely enough to get by and it's, you know, gross slop to eat and everything. Um, and so God, I kept it in there because God caring about you being successful in your way feels theologically important to Mm me. Um, and maybe it would be retained if I put it around breakthrough instead, but that's where I was coming from. Um, but here I put it in there so that the contrast would be there and nice. Yeah. And then they say now, now that there's a conflict, they call on Rivka. Right. So they bring her out. And ask her, yeah. not just ask her, ask her mouth, which is weird. Yeah, um, yeah, it's kind of a what do you have to say? What is your, what would you speak about this thing? Mm-hmm. Um, kind of ask and ask her if she would go with this man. And so again, if we're going with that, she is the before uh, theory, right? That she has a decision to make here of what she wants. Right. Um, and she has the authority to... An agency. An agency to zo- do so here. Yeah. Um, and once they do, once she does say, I will go, they don't try to hold her back. Right. Which is pretty interesting. Yeah. Yep. I'm um, like, don't you want a big wedding? Just now? Go. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And so. then they bless her. So that's good. Yeah, they do. And they give her the a blessing that is very similar to the one that Abraham gets. Mm-hmm. Um and they say to her, our sister, you may be for thousands of great ten thousands. Your seed will seize and possess the gate of those who hate them. Indeed, which God tells him in uh, Genesis 15. Yeah. Which if you're into tracking that maybe they are listening to the spirit of God, right? Because Lavan and Betuel say this is from a word of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be that God has also spoken to them about Rivka or about the family of Abraham's calling in the world. And that's how they have the same blessing. That would be cool. Um, But I want to call attention to something that is different in all the other translations that has been just slapped in there. Uh, So it actually says, our sister, you may be for thousands of great ten thousands. And what is usually added in there, George? Ah, uh, well, they usually add that she would be the mother of thousands. Which, what an imposition. <laughs> what an assumption. Uh, because there are lots of ways, right? Just like we saw with Abraham, there's lots of ways that this could... Uh, be interpreted. May you be a leader for thousands of great ten thousands. May you be a servant for thousands of ten thousands. May um, Mm -hmm. you be an iconic matriarchal image, which is truly what happens every time you read, um, every time a woman reads from Torah. um, Yeah. She's listed as one of their mothers um, in the Jewish community. 
anyway. Um, and so just imagining, well, this is about a woman. So the only possible way that she could be blessed would have to do with her uterus. The only possible way, the only possible role that she could bless the world would be by being a mother. That kind of translation is so frustrating because it's so limiting. Being a, a uh, mother is a wonderful thing. Um, I say as I'm currently six months pregnant. Um, but it's not the only thing that women do in the world. And when we slap that in our word of God, of course our theology is going to end up messed up. Like how are we supposed to make our way forward um, in terms of equality and imagining different uh, future for women when we insert this incredible bias straight into the text? It's yeah. mind-blowing. Yeah. yeah, well, and again, going with... Uh perhaps some masculine language here it says your seed will seize and possess the gate right which is right? interesting which it's is usually typically a, male a masculine thing. application right yeah. <laughs> yes uh and it's also a powerful and more um you know almost aggressive blessing it is yeah your seed will seize and possess the gate of those who hate you you will be strong enough in your positions on something that you will attract people who are displeased with you and you will win that fight and have a um, seat in their place of influence, right? Because right. that's what the gate is. So it's a great blessing and we should restore it to what it is uh, and put more women in the room where they're doing translations to point out where people are being uh, incredibly presumptuous. Yeah. Um, moving forward. If we can possibly do so. We will society. do our best. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> moving forward to verse 61. Uh, Rivka arose and her young woman. They rode upon camels and went after the man. The servant took Rivka and walked. Mm -hmm. um, again, this kind of image of walking. Yeah. It comes back. Mm -hmm. uh, here, I think it also applies to a literal walking. Right. Um, I get the impression that he is not riding the camel anymore. Right. He's walking alongside the camels. Mm -hmm. um, Taking responsibility for the delivery service. Yeah. And they are the ones that have been elevated to riding. Right. Uh, putting greater dignity on the women there. Um, the, the thing that stood out to me as odd from this spot uh, is that she gets to take her wet nurse with her, which I hope, I mean, it's definitely not the wet nurse that she's still using for nursing is the word for nursing. There is dinuk. Um, ha yinuk is what it says. Hmm. And so it's, uh, it's just odd that that's specifically listed that that's who she takes with her. Um, yeah. Who is this lady? And uh, why is she included specifically, not just with the young women, you know? Right. Yeah. Uh, and I have no idea. No clue. Is she her attendant from like childhood or is she someone who she's intending to take with her to be a wet nurse when she, um, you know, moves in with Yitzchak? Yeah. And we're not told who she is. Right. So uh, uh, they give her enough importance into in the story to mention her separate from the young women, but not right. give her a name. Yeah. So, I want to midrash about Rivka's wet nurse. What's yeah. she doing? Uh, and I do believe there was a name for her in the Midrash, and I just don't recall what it is. Oh. So that's my bad. Well, good for them. I'll have to look that up again. Um, uh, so we have, an, we have an odd transition here in the story, right? We yes. shift perspectives right. um, to Isak. Screen, screen wipe, Star Wars style. Yeah, yeah, the, the slow scroll over the screen yeah, transition. Yeah, a little animatronic animal ducks down from the forefront of the shot. Right. Wow. <laughs> uh, and he is coming from Be'er Lachai Roy. Yes. Still yes, working on that probably one. Probably riding, what is that called? Tantu or something. I don't know. Tom Tom? Tom Tom. <laughs> A crossover, Genesis and Star Wars. Okay, Tatooine. Yes, Yitzchak is coming from Ber Lachai Roi, which means uh, well to the living one who sees me. Yeah, and uh, we've kind of talked about the uh, ideas about that from the previous chapter. Right. Uh, part of the Hagar story. Right, and the fact that Hagar is living there 
Um, and he goes there after uh, Avraham tries to murder him. Tries to, yeah, murder him as a sacrifice. Right. So from a pastoral angle, he's taking some time for himself, um, recovering from potentially PTSD from this brokenness of relationship um, and traumatic moment that happened. And he's not ready to go back down the mountain because that was the thing in the past. Um, They both went up the mountain and then it only says that Avraham came down. And so he goes off um, to where we saw Hagar and Yishmael last. And he's in that area, though he's on his own in this particular moment on his tom-tom. Right. Yeah, Rashi suggests that he's gone there to find Hagar to bring her back. Ooh. Um, so, and connects that to the later passage where Abraham marries again. Mm, right, right. Keturah, she gets a new name because Hagar means guest and Keturah means um, lovely like incense, basically. Mm. But I love that. That would make Yitzchak. Yitzchak is already close to my favorite patriarch um, out of the three of them. And so if he was doing that relational work of saying what was done to you was unjust and I want you to come back to the yeah. family, it would be amazing. I have enough relational space and security in who I am as the Bechor that I don't mind having this um, you know, threat by me in the form of Yishmael. That would be amazing. Yeah. Thanks, so, Rashi. Yeah. So it says uh, that he left to sink down in the field to face the evening. He lifted his eyes. And he saw the camels coming. Look here, the camels coming. And normally this uh, suggests that he was meditating or praying. Right. The uh, rabbis use this as a reason that they do their... uh, Amidah prayer. Their prayer at this time. Uh, uh, Because uh, Ichak is doing that. And then they have them correlated Avraham praying in the morning. uh, Uh, How clever. it's all tidy. Yaakov probably prays during the afternoon. At night. He has his dream oh, at night. Interesting. Okay, well, how tidy for them. Um, the So the word sink down is a hapax legomenon, which is our fancy way of, um, you know, cosplaying Harry Potter. Um, no, it's the, it just means it's Latin for the only time that something shows up in the text. So it's our only word. So whenever that happens, we have have to do a lot of guessing about what something means because we don't have another use to compare the two uses and say, oh, both these times it means to murder, but here it kind of looks different, and so we're going to change it a little bit. This is normally the way we figure out what words mean, but yeah. here we only can guess at the root, and the root is to sink down. So that's what I went with. So maybe he's sinking because he's meditating. Maybe he's sinking down because he's praying, although that would mess with the Amidah because you're supposed to, this the standing prayer. Um, so. And maybe it's just the ever-present danger of quicksand. Maybe it is. You never know when it's coming for you. Yes, could strike at any moment. <laughs> yeah. The Jawas speared him in the knees, and right. so he's sinking down. Yes. Um. <laughs> also, I, I would imagine the person that came up with the word Habaxabagamagan. Yeah, that one. Was very proud of himself or herself. I'm sure. I'm sure they were. But I think, to me, sinking down, whether you're um, having a moment in quicksand or not, uh, is not a positive. And so to me, it kind of adds to this image that he's out by himself in the field, sinking, um, feels like it represents a depressive state for him, which would make sense. Yeah. He definitely has many reasons to be suffering from depression. Yes. Facing the evening, very Enneagram 4 thing to do. I also like the image behind... Behold, the camels are coming. <laughs> yes. Uh, to Isengard. Yeah. Uh, but he lifts his eyes, and then Rivka lifts her eyes, uh-huh. and I would imagine their eyes meet <gasps> somewhere in the middle. Uh, and <laughs> sh- she saw Yitzhak. Uh-huh. Uh, still figuring out how to say that. Yitzhak. It's like a tzitzi fly, and then uh-huh. we've got the phlegm of the so the hard part is getting the tz and the ch yep, next to each other. Yitzchak. Quite a mashing of consonants. Yes. So they see uh, one another and she falls off the camel. She does. 
uh, intentional or not, she has oh. a, yeah, <laughs> she yeah, faints a Gimli moment onto one of those chaise lounges. <laughs> yes, it was deliberate. <laughs> yeah. um, and she says to the servant, "Who is this man, the one that walks in the field to call to us?" Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, she takes a veil and covers herself, which is interesting. Again, I, th- I would presume that's cultural, but I, I feel like we don't see that happen a lot. Right. Uh, yeah, I, it is rare. Um, I'm curious about whether it's a pre-marriage thing and just because of the way that cultural norms work with Elliot's are being so old, she doesn't have to worry about modesties mm, much. Mm-hmm. Or if it's a, I'm presuming, an R... Technically in public, right? Right, because there's another person there. But she only veils herself when she finds out that it's the person she's going to marry. Yeah. So maybe this is where we get our Christian tradition from of... Veils. Veils. Well, Jewish tradition is where we stole that from. But anyway, um, I wonder where that's where it's come from. Um, And Abraham is mirrored here in Yitzchak in that he's going out again like Levon did but less creepily um, yeah yeah because he apparently climbs out of the quicksand maybe with the giant vine princess bride style um to to call to them um and he makes his way over there he doesn't just sit there and see where the camels are going right uh and yeah and he's going to these travelers right which is like does she pick herself off the ground and say who's that guy or does she get caught or, you know, it's her fall, a complete fall. Either way, it's very comedic. Does Eliezer catch her majestically? Right. Yeah. It just says that she's, she falls. Uh, and the midrash that I saw on this suggests that uh, this is a type, type of falling that is the act of falling, but doesn't actually say that she stops falling. What? So... She doesn't, she falls, but she doesn't touch the ground. Oh. So whatever that might mean. Butterfly wings. Who knows? Yeah. Interesting. Maybe Elliot's or catches her. She's trying to do this cool, like, hanging onto the side of the camel thing. <laughs> that would be great. She's doing some trick riding. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it just goes slightly wrong. Yeah. I love it. I'll go with that one. Maybe she's hiding on the side of the camel until she can get the veil. Maybe. Yeah. That would... That would be interesting. Uh, I love it. I want to see a graphic novel of the full text in us Midrashim version, complete with Tom Toms. It would be wild. It would be. Uh, uh, so the servant tells Yitzchak all the things that he had done because Yitzchak doesn't know, again, because this whole thing has been Abraham going on faith that... Right everything will go over fine because they're not in the same community and they're not speaking. Yeah, and thankfully for our podcast, they do not rewrite the entire story a third time. Oh, man. That would be, that would be a challenging. Yes. So there will be not, there will not be a part three. Yeah, no rehash. Uh, And he brings her to the tent of his mom, which is like, where does he get the tent of his mom? Yeah, um, yeah. Is that does that mean that he's gone back to Avraham at this point, right? Instead of returning to uh, Hagar immediately. Immediately. Um, yeah, I have no idea. Or did Hagar get supplies when she left, and so she had them with her? Right. Or is it just a metaphorical tent of his mom? Yeah, I don't. It's hard to say. Um, the Midrash makes a parallel between Rivka and Sarah in that they say Sarah's tent had a cloud over it, um, kind of like a presence of God cloud. Cool. And was a place of hospitality. Nice. And so when Sarah died, that cloud departed, and so did the hospitality of Avraham's household Mm. and it's not until Rivka returns that both the hospitality and that cloud then come back to the tent that's good um yeah I've heard teaching that Rivka acts more as the Bukhor of Avraham than Yitzhak does which mm. is a little bit rude and I'm not sure whether that's true but I like um emphasizing importance in bringing back uh bringing back the presence of god which that's dark yeah 
Uh, and also, what a fun vibe if it's always misty around your tent because... It's hot out. It's hot out. That's that's true. It's calming to be there. Um, but also, you know, it's cool. Yeah. Uh, and then it ends with, he left her Yitzchak was comforted <laughs> after his mother. I'll yes. get faster at that, but for now it's... By the time we finish the section on his life, yeah. we'll get there. Um, yeah, and the he left her part is really lovely because it's at the beginning of the Akedah story, the Binding of Isaac story, um, is our first use of that word love when God says, the only son whom you love, mm. which is, again, a tragedy for Ishmael. But, um, but so at the beginning of that story, Yitzchak had relational... Um, close parental relationship and love mm-hmm. the way it's supposed to be. And then he nearly got killed again from my interpretation, which not everybody has to have, but because of Abraham's failure and misunderstanding of what God was asking of him. Um, and so now some of that healing for Yitzchak and his trauma happens um, because of the work and care of Rivka. Yeah. Um, and that would be uh, doubled up or supported anyway by the fact that it says um, after his mother. It doesn't say after the death of his mother, although I saw that translations put that in brackets um, mm-hmm. presumptuously. But if I was Yitzchak, I would be mad at both of my parents, right? My dad actually did try to kill me, but um, Sarah didn't stop him. And just wondering, like, because she died right after did she know did yeah. did dad tell mom he says she didn't know but did she like figure it out and was okay with it that's a lot of a lot of wrestling to do um and so that's how uh, i read that line okay well that is the end of our chapter Woo, we made it we did make it two episodes uh we've got uh chapter four not chapter four, chapter 24. Back to Cain and Abel. Yeah, we've got chapter 24 <laughs> under wraps. Uh, we do. And so. Yeah, we just have chapter 25 next week. Uh, send in your questions to elgriverfricks at gmail.com if you have any. I'd be happy to respond to them. This has been the Text and Us podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, and we hope that you will listen in again with chapter 25. Next week. Thank you. Bye.